to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, welcome, everybody. Happy Monday. Another week, yet again. Um, I'm going to start off this episode by just mentioning the most recent Substack article that I've written is up on the American Classroom Substack, titled The Death Toll in American Schools. I highly recommend giving that a, a, a read. Again, it's free. Um, and if you want the email updates when I write one and send one out, then again, you can just sign up for free by just typing in your email and you'll get the email alerts. Um, okay, so there's that. Let me preface this episode by basically saying that I'm, I'm essentially going to give a the best summary that I can of, of two recent school board meetings that have taken place. The first that I'm going to cover was tossed to me by Jesse James at the Dangerous Info podcast regarding the Oxford Community Schools school district there. And again, you know, that name in itself, the business of calling schools community school districts is Marxist language, to say the least. And it's one of those things that's continuing to happen. Just the basic word manipulation. They used to just be called school districts. Now we're all a community. Um, I'm going to get into their most recent school board meeting, which again, Jesse James sent my way and, and I watched it. And I, I've got to tell you that given the school shootings that took place there or the school shooting that took place there back on uh, November 30th, where four people lost their lives, you would think that in the middle of all of that and the months following, that more and more people would wake up to the bureaucratic nonsense and they would actually start to become more objective human beings and have a laser-like focus on what really matters within an education environment. As it turns out, ladies and gentlemen, the exact opposite is true. Now, as I go through this episode, I might get a little angry from time to time. Uh, I'll do my best to sort of harness that energy, but the fact is, is that the, just the level of stupidity among the board members and even the people who come up during the comments section, the public comments section, and again, even the individuals who give their presentations typically at the beginning of a, of a school board meeting who work for the district, these are some of the dumbest human beings on the face of the planet. They are not bright. They have lost the plot. They focus on things that require absolutely zero attention whatsoever, and they have no idea, I might add, that the very things that they're advocating for are the very things that are causing more and more problems. They think that they are solutions and that they're being proactive and we're all proactive. No, that's not the case. That's never the case. You know, it, it, it's been written, and I've mentioned his name before in the past, one of my favorite philosophers, Eric Hoffer. He very consistently would say that the individuals who inhabit such positions like board members or committee members or individuals who love being on committees, that these people are not well and that they believe that by holding these positions, they sort of have influence or power, whatever word you want to put in, when in fact, they actually run for and hold these positions because they are wholly inadequate. They are completely inadequate people. And they are afraid 
that people will find out that they are inadequate, which is why they have to hold positions like school board members, city council members, mayors, et cetera, et cetera. And we're seeing that, of course, all over the nation. So I'm going to play just a few audio clips from that. But before I do, I want to just go sort of through my Cliff Notes version of of what was brought up and, and a lot of the things that were said. I will link the description below to this uh, school board meeting if you're interested in watching it. It is as bad as I'm going to lay it out. Um, When I'm done with the Oxford school board meeting and discussing some of the things that went on there, I'm going to move over to the local school board meeting here where I live in the Talawanda City Schools School District. Uh, there's a lot of problems that are going on within our within this particular school district, and it's it's always been a rotten school district. It's always been an embarrassment of a school district, and uh, it's 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 embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. And these environments, ladies and gentlemen, do not improve over over time. They are not designed to improve. They are actually purposely designed to consistently fail over the course of time, if not just remain stagnant uh, in their smell, in their look, in their hirings, in their behavior, their unprofessionalism. It just sort of, it's just sort of, you know, that that swampy uh, pothole, you know, that's on the road, that's always just filling up with muck and it's just always there. That's basically what American K-12 schools tend to be. Again, they don't get better. People don't come by and go, oh, look, there's a pothole. Maybe we should clean out the entire thing, fill it in, and then, you know, replace it with actual substance. That's not the case. It's one patch job over another. And then there's always just that that film, just that muck that just sits there. It's like dirt snow. For those of us who, you know, for those of us who have seen what dirty snow looks like, it's that mound of dirty snow that just never melts and goes away, and you're just forced to look at it for, you know, I don't know, nine months out of the year, but it just won't go away. That's basically uh, the Talawanda City Schools, as far as I'm concerned. So, and you're going to hear from it, and you're going to hear again the sexual assault. That has taken place within that school building um, over the course of numerous years, apparently from the exact same teacher. And finally, in this school board meeting, uh, not only does the dad of a daughter who was recently assaulted come up and speak yet again at this school board meeting uh, as to what this teacher has done to his daughter and how it's impacted his daughter, but past students. One in particular comes up and, and describes exactly what, uh, what took place with her at the hands of this teacher, and the teacher is named. See, they call the teacher's name out, and this particular ex-graduate of this school district calls him a pedophile, straight up, right to the faces of the school board members, which I have to tell you is priceless. It's priceless. And I have personally advocated for this kind of approach since the start. You have to call out names. I mean, you have to name names. None of this, well, I, you know, I don't want to say their name because I don't want to whatever. No, call out their names. If teachers are doing wrong things or being abusive in the environment in which they are working or somewhere else, call them out. 
always call them out. Because every single time that you hide the identity of an abuser, you're just fueling that abuser and the people who are enabling that abuser. So call them out. And again, thank God, but a student does. Now, the parent doesn't. The parent doesn't say the guy's name, which is too bad because he should have, and he should be doing that on a consistent basis. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the ex-graduate before him walks up to the microphone, calls out his name, calls him a pedophile. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. I love it. That kind of courage is absolutely contagious, and that's exactly what has to happen going forward here. And as I say in the Substack article, again, um, just to sort of tie all this together before I jump into the Oxford thing, if you thought that parents showing up at school board meetings, and you've heard me say this on the podcast before, if you thought that them showing up at school board meetings and talking about mask wearing and CRT in the curriculum was bad enough, wait until the jab injured start showing up and telling the school board members what they've done with their words and their advocacy for these death shots and a thousand other things. It's going to get real dirty in the future. Um, and I write all about that in the Substack article, but you can check that out. Okay, here we go. The Oxford uh, Community Schools meeting here. Very interesting to watch, to say the least. Um, Again, you really want to get into the mind of human beings and school board members and the parents. And you can, again, really examine their knowledge, their lack of knowledge, and what their focus is and, and what they're actually thinking about. Uh, you've got to watch these school board meetings because they are they're incredible. Um, first of all, the outgoing superintendent, Tim Thorne, of the Oxford, Michigan Community School District uh, is apparently, again, no, he's outgoing. He's no longer employed there. He has decided to retire conveniently after the, uh, after the school shooting where four people lost their lives. I don't know if it was the end of his contract or not. He was probably bought out of the end of his contract if, if he wasn't uh, already at the end of his contract, is what I'm trying to say. And one of the larger themes that I, that I want to mention, just sort of the, the larger point overall, is one of the things that I noticed was that it's beyond evident that the parents and perhaps even the school board members themselves or school employees are either in such denial over what took place during that day and the days leading up to that shooting. But it's evident that they ha didn't even watch the preliminary hearings of the parents. What the parents are basically being tried for and the testimony that took place from, again, the school counselor. I mean, that right there, his testimony alone during the preliminary hearing was worth the price of admission. He, he, he openly admitted that he did not do his job. He openly admitted that the dean of students did not do his job. And it's evident, again, that these parents didn't watch it because they don't know what's going on. I mean, they, they, they are focusing on a thousand other things, but it's not, it's not the facts. So that was sort of just one of the, the bigger themes that popped out to me was that it's evident that a lot of the individuals speaking in these board meetings didn't watch the preliminary hearing. 
And again, the preliminary hearing was maybe three hours long uh, total, maybe a little bit longer than that. I watched the entire thing remarkably enlightening. If you want buckets of truth and you want to see school employees sitting on a stand under oath being questioned by both sides, uh, that, that's how you get the best info. That's where, that's where all the juice is. So that's my take on that. Okay. The first thing that happened, I thought, which was remarkably awkward, and this too is a giant theme that is constant within all of these political settings, even all the way up to the United States Congress, where they will joke with one another, either before, during, or after they're in the middle of covering something that's remarkably serious. And me personally, I think it's tasteless. I think that the joking that goes on among these elected officials where they're looking at each other and cracking jokes, uh, you know, as the public looks on to sort of humanize themselves with the public is a, is a poor attempt to, again, look like they're human beings. Um, these are mindless, just soulless meat sacks of, of nobody. And um, one of the things that happened, which again is a bit odd, is that at the beginning of this meeting, they mention, of course, the outgoing superintendent who is sitting on the stage next to the board president, the current board president. But the incoming superintendent was apparently an assistant superintendent. So they just hired within. And they had the incoming superintendent give a, uh, a rather lengthy presentation on the academic achievement or lack thereof that took place within the school district. And as you would expect in lockstep fashion, those individuals always cover their own asses as much as they can. They blame state departments of education for their own lack of success. They blame everybody else and everything else um, for their own lack of success instead of themselves. They never, they never take responsibility for their, their lack of academic success. They just never do. They have no idea, again, that the CRT games and the, the rainbow stickers and children showing up dressing like cats and uh, you know the crime and the drugs and, and all of the things that they promote and allow and don't squash immediately are all of the things that destroy academic success, not to mention, of course, all of the lies that are taught, as I've been over a million times and will mention here toward the end of this episode potentially again, uh, regarding the curriculum and, and the false teaching of history and science and XYZ. That's why students fail, but they just do not want to accept any responsibility for any of it ever. And he didn't either. And this is the incoming superintendent. So a quick message to the Oxford Community Schools. Your new superintendent is a piece of shit. And it's only going to get worse there. He's not going to somehow wave a magic wand and improve things. That's not going to happen. I hate to burst everybody's bubble on that, but that isn't going to happen. Um, Okay, so he gave his presentation. And then again, in the same awkward vein, here's what he did. Uh, He signed his new contract effective immediately that night, right then and there, on camera, and people applauded, and they were like, yay, he's the new superintendent. You know, normally you do that behind closed doors. You don't publicize it quite like that. It was just odd. It was just weird. 
Um, because again, the elephant in the room is what took place during the public comments, where again, I believe, if I'm not not mistaken, the first parent who showed up, a, a, a dad, um, was a parent who lost a child during that shooting. And he brings up a variety of issues. And again, the time limit was is also five minutes, which is extraordinarily long for school board meetings, for public comments. But um, he, he took all of five plus. And I mean, they, they probably gave him 10 minutes solid at least. Uh, and he, he, you know, he deserves it, but he, he too was a bit confused and, and sort of all over the board with a lot of different topics. And it was, um, you know, I, I feel bad for him, of course, cause he lost his child. Uh, but his, his comments were a bit, a bit confusing either way. But before I get to him and in, in the public comments, this was the most, um, this was the, <laughs> this was the part where. I was yelling at my at my cell phone when I was watching this board meeting. And it had to do with the presentation after the superintendent, which involved their um, school safety coordinator or something along those lines. And it's a female, and she shows up, and she apparently was having meetings behind closed doors with, with students and parents and other people, stakeholders sometimes as they call them, which of course is remarkably nefarious. I've never liked that name, stakeholders. It just, it's gross hands in the cookie jar as far as I'm concerned. Um, because it's, it's not really the people who have logical input that are, that are showing up to these meetings. It's a lot of feelings and, well, I feel like we need to do this and I feel like we need to do that. So here's what they suggested. And here's what, again, is apparently taking place within that school district. I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen, I am not making this up when I say this, because this is where I started to really take some hard notes. Uh, first of all, apparently in that high school, at least within the Oxford High School there, um, they now have clear backpacks because they think that it is safer for students to have clear backpacks so that their peers can see what is in their backpacks as they're walking around the school, as opposed to having a regular backpack like a regular human being, um, because that might trigger students into becoming scared as to what is in said backpack. Now, I've drawn for lots of people here the parallels between American schools and prisons. I've made those parallels and, and, and provided countless examples over the course of this entire podcast on a number of occasions. Um, clear backpacks, ladies and gentlemen, is what you give inmates upon showing up to prison and leaving prison. It's where they put their property. They come in with a wallet, a watch, their own clothes, whatever. They're thrown into a clear bag, just like prison. So now you have students eating slop in a cafeteria, walking around the halls of where a shooting took place, murders, four of them, and now they're walking around with clear backpacks on. Do you see the parallels here between school and prison? I mean, they're not, they aren't thinking at all 
about what they're doing. Again, they're so brainwashed and so self-absorbed that they actually think that they're helping. Well, clear backpacks help people, and they can see what's in them, and it doesn't trigger students. It's, it's next-level stupidity. It's next-level stupidity. They know nothing about situations like this and what you're really supposed to do. And the facts are clear, which, again, I'm going to continue to go through the, the examples here that they laid out because it, it gets worse than clear backpacks. Um, but what you're supposed to do after a situation like that if you're actually still going to attend a school like this, which I'm shocked that people are still going, is you're just supposed to go back to the way that things were. And what's really supposed to happen is the staff members who are responsible should be fired for not doing their job. And then what you do is, is you shore up that slack in the rope of communication, basically. Clearly, there were communication breakdowns that, that occurred as a result of, you know, that led to, the, led to the shooting, people not doing what they were contractually obligated to do, et cetera, et cetera. You, you, you meet with everyone and you say, somebody fucked up here big time, and it cost people their lives. So don't do that anymore. Do the opposite of what these people did. Now, go away. And that's what you say to your staff members. You have to be blunt with them, and that's, that's what needs to happen. That's not what's happening, ladies and gentlemen. This is, you know, this is what happens when leftists and beta males get in charge of, of such things like this. And I, I know that that sounds harsh, but it's factual because, again, when these individuals are in positions where they have to make decisions, allegedly, about the well-being of students, this is where, again, government becomes the most neglectful parent. So there was the clear backpacks thing. There was that. It gets worse. There's security. They are looking to increase the number of resource officers. Now, if you recall, I covered it here on this podcast, and Sandy and Jesse James mentioned it, I believe, as well when they were on, that the resource officer during the shooting had been called away to another school in the district because of a suspicious automobile or something like that in the parking lot. So there were no resource officers on campus during the shooting. But now they want more. Just patrolling the hallways and, and, and doing whatever. You know, fine, I guess. But isn't it interesting that they think that clear backpacks are not going to trigger people but more police officers won't trigger more people. Again, their solutions are not solutions. Um, here was the one where I, I, again, yelled at the cell phone and started laughing out loud. They now have a policy in their school where you're not allowed to use the lockers anymore because they don't want the locker doors to slam shut because it will sound like a gunshot and potentially trigger students into believing, again, that someone is being shot or it will take them back to that time when they heard gunshots for real or whatever. So you're not allowed to use lockers anymore in that school building. Uh, again, the sheer stupidity of these people is astounding. 
This too, again, is what happens when you have individuals operating on feelings instead of facts. You just end up having to cater to a, a mound of, just a, a trash heap of feelings, as opposed to getting down to brass tacks. Um, if I have described this place thus far, and you have said to yourself, this is not a learning environment, you would be correct, because it is not a learning environment. There is nothing about this environment that is a learning environment. Here's another one. They are going to be hiring, apparently, and bringing in at least six to eight therapy dogs. Now, I don't know where this therapy dog thing came from. I know that it is widely used. I don't want to use the word popular. I don't think it's popular. I just think that it's something that, again, by word of mouth or social media posts or what, whatever, that this somehow became a thing. This, this was not something that existed when I grew up, and it was not something that we needed. It just wasn't. Therapy dogs. Eight of them just walking around to school, being pet on, and, you know, by God knows what. Um, I, it, again, I don't get it. I, I'm at a loss for, for, for these methods. I, I truly am. I understand why people attempt to use methods like this. I understand what their motive is. I'm simply saying it's not helping anything. Is it a kennel or is it a school? Is it a prison or is it a school? Is it a shooting range or is it a school? Is it an athletic competition? Is it the Olympics or is it an institution of reading, writing, arithmetic, accurate history, accurate science. What, what is it? What is it? Because you can't be all of those things. You can't. Those environments can't be all of those things at the same time and expect to actually produce unbrainwashed people. But that, again, right there should tell everybody that's that's... That's the point of these schools. It is to distract and brainwash. It is not to get people to think critically, grow a tough spine, and move forward out into the world. I, uh, yeah. So there's that. Six to eight therapy dogs. Here's another one. They're going to be having security, which will mean school employees, standing outside of every bathroom when students use the bathroom from now on apparently because now students feel triggered when they're in the bathroom because it's a vulnerable spot for them so now you have to have security around you while you're relieving yourself again i <sighs> That's what they do in prison. If there, is a, if there is even a public bathroom, so to speak, in prison that's not in one cell already, you know, you have, you have security when you, when you take a shower in prison. 
Does this sound like a school to anybody? It shouldn't. It's a prison. They're making it more a prison. But don't worry, everybody. This is their therapeutic way of getting every back, you know, getting everyone back to a state of normalcy after a horrific accident that uh, took the lives of people and we had nothing to do with it. I, uh, yeah, I got, I got nothing on that. Um, they discussed apparently during their behind closed door meetings with stakeholders, parents, and students. Uh, the potential implementation of metal detectors. So here's where the hypocrisy shows itself again. They have decided that they probably won't do medical, um, metal detectors because they think that that will trigger students also. So what is typically referred to as a safety measure, they don't want to implement that because visually it will trigger people and it will look almost as if the place is more of a compound or a prison than it needs to be. That was their explanation. They actually said those things. So again, I, I can't... They, they just aren't hearing themselves talk. And I was listening to this board meeting again and I could actually hear myself getting dumber. That's a, that's a hard sound to hear. But, you know, those brain cells start popping. You know, they don't grow back. Uh, so, yeah. So, there you go. Here's another one. Not, not kidding. They're interested in bringing in potentially ammo-sniffing dogs. Again, it's a kennel. Let's keep that in mind. It's not a school anymore. It's a kennel. So they want not just therapy dogs, but they want ammo-sniffing dogs. Dogs to just walk around and smell for ammo and ammunition and guns and God knows what else. So there's that. This one was also suggested uh, within their behind-closed-door meetings and was, no pun intended, immediately shot down. Uh, because they also uh, apparently said that this would be a measure that uh, would be more reactive and not proactive, because it would, <laughs> and it is stupid, thank God, but why would they even mention it? Um, the fact that they were even considering this or that a parent suggested this, which a parent did suggest this, so saith the uh, school safety coordinator, that gunshot detectors should be placed throughout the school so that if a gunshot goes off, the alarm system will kick in and alert everybody that a gunshot has gone off. Now, if you want to watch a bunch of people go absolutely insane in a school environment, wait for one of those gunshot detectors to go off accidentally when someone drops a book on the floor or slams a door closed, or whatever. Or just, you know, your basic uh, short-circuiting or false alarm, so to speak. That gunshot detector goes off because of a fake sound, or, you know, you get what I'm saying. Everybody's going to be running around that school like a crazy person. And then somebody's going to have to come on the PA system and start yelling that it's not a it's not a real gunshot. It's just a false alarm. Settle down. 
not gonna it's not gonna matter. You're gonna have people jumping on desks, swinging from the rafters, ripping their clothes off, running around, setting things on fire. I mean, it will be an absolute crazy town. It'll look like Gen Pop in a prison when there's a riot going on. Because again, this isn't a learning environment. This is not a school. This is now a kennel that's, that's subbing as a prison. <laughs> so, it's, it's sad. It's sad. It makes me, it's the, the range of emotions that are just flowing through my veins right now. Um, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I've said this on Gab a million times. K-12 schools are the laughing stock of society. They're the laughing stock. They are the butt of every joke. Every single one of them. But the brainwashed masses just keep feeding their children right into this meat grinder. And they think everything is going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. It won't be okay for your children. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are very quick to rationalize it. Well, my, you know, my child is this and my child is that. And, you know, they academically succeed and they have friends and that matters and blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm telling you, you don't know what's coming down the line in their life. So by continuously just exposing them to these kinds of environments, it is wearing on them. It's, it's as I've said, sandpaper on the brain. It's just scratching away at them, whether you can see it or not. Uh, gunshot detectors. I, I, thought, I thought they were kidding. I actually thought they were kidding, and then I went, oh, no, they're actually serious. Um, okay. The next thing that was mentioned had to do with how now, apparently, they've decided as a faculty or as a district to start doing threat assessments on a regular basis. And by threat assessment, what I mean is, and what they mean rather, is they are following up now. Now they've decided to do it. Keep that in mind. Now all of a the sudden they've decided to do their job. They're following up on reports that are made to them regarding social media posts of students and then investigating the seriousness of their comments on online and on social media platforms, videos, whatever. And then basically they're, they're doing that on a constant basis. And they said that they're doing at least eight of those per day. Now, if memory serves me correctly, this was alleged at the very beginning of this shooting, that the principal was having students come up to him and say, Ethan Crumbly is saying some really weird shit online, and you need to do something about this. And he didn't do anything. I'm saying this allegedly because I don't know this to be 100% factual, but I believe that that was the case. It was certainly a rumor. And then, of course, nothing was done. And then it was even said that the principal got on the PA system and said, stop coming to me about social media posts, you know, handle it yourself and whatever else. So we, we see where that level of thinking gets people. It gets them killed. That's where it gets them. Um, on top of that, I know I say um a lot, by the way. I'm, I'm sorry that I do that. <coughs> it's, uh, it's a bad habit, but, you know, it's a space filler, so my apologies. 
uh, let's see. There it is. See, I just did it again. So eight plus day, eight, eight times per day, they're doing threat assessments. It, it would have been nice for them to just do one back then, wouldn't it? Because there would probably be students that would be alive. So there's that. Here was the next thing that was consistently brought up throughout the meeting, and again, I, it was it, it was really telling and sad because it it shows where people's focus is, and again, it's focused on the wrong thing. They're focused on a memorial that either was built, has been built, still exists, um, is still present on the property regarding those who lost their lives and pictures and flowers and whatever. Um, a number of individuals coming up talking about needing a memorial. And I've read the research that says that having memorials at things like this is therapeutic and it, and it doesn't trigger people and it, it's a therapeutic thing and blah, blah, blah. And then you had other people coming up saying it triggers people. It's unhealthy. We need to get rid of the memorial. We need to move on, whatever else. Again, I don't want to sound cold-blooded here, and there's no way this is not going to sound cold-blooded. I'm not a memorial kind of guy. You want to have a memorial, put it on your own property. Um, if you're going to have one on the school property because of an event like this, a tragic event, make it temporary. The, if there's still a memorial up, it's March. It's the middle end of March here. Um, this happened at the end of November. I think it's time for the memorial to go. But the simple fact, again, that they're arguing about it and that these parents are showing up to the microphone saying, well, we need to keep it. Well, we need to get rid of it. What a waste of time. What a waste of mental, uh, whatever, mental effort. It, it, it's useless. It's just useless at this point. So honest to God, if it's, if it's not an obvious distractor, I don't, I don't know what else is. Um, here was another heartbreaking thing that, that was actually brought up. And again, really telling. A parent walked up to the microphone, and I, I probably won't play audio from, from this particular board meeting, so my apologies. But a, a parent, because it was a long board meeting, um, a parent walked up to the microphone and she said that her 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 daughter's school teacher during the actual shooting when they were locked down that it was their the classroom rule on a day in day out basis for all of the students again <laughs> you got to keep in mind prison okay prison we can't teach we can't teach minors to be responsible so we have to play ch child's games with adolescents in a prison environment in order to receive compliance. It's the dumbing down of America, and this, this is what, what goes on. And keep in mind, this isn't the only classroom in America where this exists. This happens all of the time. The parent was saying that during the school shooting, during the lockdown, as per the, again, day-in and day-out procedure of this particular teacher, and I'm sure there are more teachers in the same building doing the same thing, they have a bag, the teacher does, that hangs from the door of their classroom. And as students walk in, 
they are told to put or expected to put their cell phones in the off position or in the silent mode or whatever inside of this bag so that while instruction is going on, they don't feel the need to grab their phone or look at their phone or be distracted by their phone or whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, if we've come this far in society where you have to, where you have to put a bag on a, on a classroom door and tell students to put their cell phones in it because they are incapable of self-control, they should throw themselves off of a bridge because they're not going to make it in society. Again, I know how that sounds. I know how I sound. I get it. But, th- but wrap your mind around that. You know, in, the pre- in one of the previous episodes, I said, set the table. Learn to set the table. We're, we're way past setting the table here. We're putting a bag on a classroom door for cell phones, for student cell phones. Now, all of that psychopathology to the side here, the heartbreaking part, and you can imagine this, by the way, you can actually physically imagine being in the room while this is going on. During the shooting, all of the cell phones were ringing and buzzing, apparently, in this teacher's classroom as they're all inside of a bag hanging from the door and all of the children are in their seats. And they're just looking at this bag that's buzzing and ringing and whatever, vibrating, because their parents are calling them, ask, trying, to, trying to get a hold of them to see if they're alive. To see if they're okay. <laughs> I mean, can you, can you imagine it? That the teacher was so fucking stupid that they didn't even let the children, the students, get their own cell phones to contact their own parents to tell them that they were in safe, you know, in, in, uh, in a safe place or that they were okay as the shooting either was going on or had already ended or whatever it was. Again, Wrap your mind around that level of stupidity. This is what teachers think of you as parents. This is what teachers think. I know I'm painting with a wide brush here, but this is what they think about students. See, they are government, and they think that they are the parent. They think that they know what's best. And in the last two years, That's what you've seen on a grand scale. You've seen bureaucrats and some of the dumbest in society, who sadly are school teachers. That's a statistical fact, I might add. Read Thomas Sowell's books, Inside American Education. I highly recommend it. It's scientifically proven that school teachers are not the brightest of the lot. Again, it's not all of them, but it is the vast majority. And then, of course, the ones that leave and stop being school teachers, yours truly, tend to be far brighter. Again, not tooting my own horn, it just happens to be a statistical fact. So, it's been researched at length, decades and decades and decades ago. Um, That action alone should be abolished inside of the entire school environment. It should be completely abolished. Why it even exists is beyond me. 
But a bag of ringing phones hanging from a door. Honest to shit. I mean, (laughs) sorry for cursing. It's just going to be that kind of episode. Get the kids out of the room if you haven't already. Um, Okay, the next one. A parent mentioned, and I'm glad they brought this up too. Again, it was you talk about a yin and a yang, an ebb and flow, a back and forth on the on the spectrum of of intelligence. You had individuals showing up saying some some of the most bright things I've ever heard, and then some of the people showing up saying some of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And that's in every school board meeting, regardless of the district in America. Another parent showed up and said, look. You're going to have a mass exodus of teachers in this school district. You already have one. And that's true. And I'm glad that they said it, and I'm glad that they said it to their faces, because the board members had to hear it. They had to hear that, because they're in deep shit. Who, who in their right mind would want to walk into that school district now and go, you know what I want to do? I want to be a school teacher where people got killed. Because this sounds like a place where everybody's got their shit together. (laughs) I mean, who really would do that? What student teacher at the undergraduate level is chomping at the bit to student teach in that building, let alone work in it? So yes, they will have a mass exodus of teachers. You can expect that. And then you need to question the sanity of the people who want to actually work there. Because they won't be well. And keep in mind now, these school districts, as I brought up in the past on this podcast, they are scraping now from the bottom of the proverbial barrel when it comes to who they want to actually work within these environments now. You're not exactly getting the cream of the crop. That's not happening. They're, they're, they're using backdoor methods to certify people just so that they can get someone who has a pulse to work inside of these buildings. So that too is a constant theme that runs in and out all the way through all of these districts across the United States. It's, it blows me away. Um, he, here's, here's the last point. I'm, well, the second to last point that I'm going to mention regarding the Oxford School Community Board Meeting. The second to last point is this. It was evident to me that there were a great deal of parents, and there are a great deal of parents showing up to solely say that they are still being impacted by the negative effects of that day, and they are not over it yet, and neither is their child. They are getting themselves on the record so that they can receive these donation funds from that funding organization that Jesse James, Sandy, and myself brought up in a previous podcast that has received, excuse me, that has received all of the money from these GoFundMes and now is distributing it allegedly, evenly, allegedly, among the individuals who apparently were the most impacted, including, of course, the families who lost a child. But these parents, I mean, these bloodsuckers are showing up to try to get, you know, their, their, their pieces of silver here. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. You, you talk about, again, a level of, of just brainwashing and, um, uh, 
I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say. It's just bad. It's just bad. And and I'm not saying that that is their that is their motive. And I'm not saying that they might not actually be, you know, mentally hurting in some way. But for the love of God, get over it. Because if all of the sudden the money shows up in your bank account and now you don't need therapy anymore, were you ever really hurt in the first place or are you just running after cash? You know, which is it? I think the whole thing is dirty. We discussed it again in that episode previously. Um, it just, it's just dirty. The whole thing is dirty. Here was the, here was the, here's the last point I'm going to make. Like I mentioned at the top of the episode, there is a habit, I would call it, and it's a bad habit. It's a habit that you will watch politicians engage in, again, all the way up to Washington, D.C., and right down to the local level. They will do this thing where before, during, or t- and typically after, they'll typically do it at the end of a, of a meeting, of a public meeting, where they will joke with one another on the record with microphones in front of their faces, and they think that, that they're being funny. And they think that they are, excuse me, humanizing themselves to some extent. And that all, you know, the public's going to get a load of this because we're going to humanize ourselves now and tell a quick little personal anecdote and everybody's just going to applaud and laugh and everybody's going to like it. The board president of this Oxford Community School in Michigan uh, says a few nice words about the outgoing superintendent. Not sure why. I would have just let the guy go. Um, Either way. He extends his hand, he shakes his hand, he goes, it's been an honor, you know, you've, you've, you've done an excellent job. And, uh, and then he says this, he says, I wish you and your family the best. I'm paraphrasing, by the way, but he says, I wish you and your family the best, and uh, I hope to get your new phone number, because I know you're going to have to change it. And then they kind of laughed, and they all sort of laughed, like, ha, 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 he's gotten a lot of phone calls, ha, ha, ha. He's going to have to change his phone number now. And then he says, the board president, he goes, and then I'm going to have to give you a call so we can go golfing. And I thought to myself, four students died in your school building, in your high school. You've had heartbreaking testimony tonight in your board meeting from someone who lost a child there and then others who were witnesses to it, allegedly, and then a bunch of other random suggestions and and bureaucrats and whatever. And now you're joking about yuck, yuck, yuck. The outgoing superintendent needs to change his phone number because he's getting a lot of phone calls. So when you get that new phone number, give me a ringy dingy, and then we can go, you know, hit the sticks a little bit. It should show everybody how out of touch these assholes are. It's that simple. They are out of touch. Again, they think that yucking it up and joking at the end of a very serious meeting is a way to sort of bring everybody back to earth and 
we're going to solve this and we're going to fix it and we're going to do what we need to do and blah, 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 blah. Again, ladies and gentlemen, these are the dumbest humans that exist. They are the ones who inhabit these positions. They are not bright. They have no filter, apparently. Um, they are just, they're just tasteless. And it was tasteless. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. It was a tasteless move. It's a tasteless move that happens on a constant basis. It's bloviating. It's being a blowhard. It's all of that stuff. I, I don't like it. I've never liked it. I think it's gross. Um, if I was there and I was sitting on the board, I would say, hey, I would start banging on the, on the table with my fist and I'd say, hey, can we adjourn this now? Can we all go home now? Because now you're all joking. And we've heard heartbreaking testimony here tonight. And now you all want to joke about trading phone numbers like a couple of high school girls so that you can go out and golf with one another. I mean, that right there again is what I would say. And then I would say, I'll show myself out. And, you know, and then that would be it. But that would be my, my, my short and quick tenure on the uh, school board. But that right there again should show just how disconnected these people are from reality. And it's disgusting. So that was the Oxford School uh, Community Meeting. And I want to thank again Jesse James for sending that my way. It was enlightening to say the least. And people should watch these board meetings in their entirety because they are laughable, they are sad, and it is exhibit A as to why you should take your child out of schools now and permanently. Permanently. And for the love of God, if you're going to send them to college or a university, please pick an online school. Pick an online school. All of the money that you'd be wasting sending them away to a far-off land where they're going to be indoctrinated with God knows what. Um, why not just get them a small apartment, maybe with a couple of friends, and then they can just go to school online. Maybe they can even have a job at the same time. And trust me, they'll have time to have a job if they're in an online environment. Same degree, it'll count the exact same, but people need to take this into consideration, and time is of the essence. So do not let this spring and summer go by without completely restoring and renovating your educational mind on what you need to be doing with your children during this time. Again, I'm not telling you what to do. Well, I kind of am, but <laughs> they're your children. They're not mine. I know what I would do. And you've heard me say it a million times here. I know what I would do. And I would never send them into these meat grinder factory prison cells. I wouldn't do it. Not with a gun to my head even. No chance. Not a chance in hell. Speaking of prisons and uh, horrific environments, let me jump into it here. Here's the last board meeting where I live locally. Talawanda City Schools, it's a cesspool. Always has been, always will be. And the board president, his name is Pat Mead. Uh, he is the epitome of stupidity, is a borderline pedophile as far as I'm concerned, allegedly. And uh, he's been around since the crust of the earth cooled. He was a special education teacher in the district here when I used to attend. He wasn't a good, he wasn't a good teacher then. He's an he's a even shittier board president now. The first person who speaks 
is a lady who lives in town who had, well, I'm not going to play her audio. I'm just going to mention it real quick because it's hilarious. And then I'm going to play the two sexual assault uh, audios from the, the two individuals here because it's heartbreaking. Um, she, she comes up to the microphone. She's the first person to speak. And she says, so this just happened in your district. She said, um, my daughter still goes here, by the way, to the high school. She says, your mock trial team won this Ohio State Championship. And there's a long pause. And the looks on all of the board members' faces is telling because it's evident that they didn't even know that that had happened or they weren't told that it had happened either by the superintendent or someone else. It was beyond evident that they didn't even know that for the first time in the school's history, their mock trial team won the, state, the Ohio State Championship. And this parent had to show up and tell them that to their faces and said, I know you're all about sports. And by the way, their sports teams have always sucked. So there's that. But they said that it was, it was just hilarious. Watching these idiots eat humble pie and, and have crow crammed down their throat is, is uh, it's priceless. But she goes, I know you're all about sports and you, and you don't seem to care about academics. But she goes, so I just wanted to let you know that that just happened and that you would do well to congratulate those people. And then she walks away. There's a massive round of applause. And then the board president, Pat Mead, who's an idiot, goes, oh, thank you for bringing that to our attention. We really appreciate it. And congratulations and whatever. And then later on, at the end of the board meeting, they all start to say, well, the superintendent chimes in first. And he says, um, in the next board meeting, we planned to have, uh, sorry, I'm doing these voices and impressions because I can do them. <laughs> he says, he says, we were planning on having uh, the coach of the mock trial team show up and give a presentation and having, ha having the students themselves show up and we were going to take pictures with them, but we were planning on doing that in the next board meeting, not this board meeting and blah, 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 blah. Well, it would have been nice to just do it in the most recent one, let alone mention it during the beginning of their board meeting where they talk about all their academic successes and they, you know, lick their own asses and do what they do during these board meetings where they pat themselves on the back profusely to where they have handprint bruises on their backs. They're patting themselves uh, so hard. It's, it's sad and pathetic. So anyway, that happened. And then again, at the end of the board meeting, they all sort of went around the table. Congratulations to the, to the uh, mock trial team. Uh, that's quite an accomplishment, and, and congratulations. And then one of the board meetings, who is also a feckless loser, he, he steps forward and, he's, and, he, and he says, uh, by the way, he goes, I just wanted people to know that our contact information is on our website and our emails are there. So if you want to contact us and tell us about an academic success that you think we haven't heard about or we might not know about, please let us know. This is how dead asleep, ladies and gentlemen, these people are. They're so dead asleep that they don't even know that, that, a, that a group, I'm talking about the board members, that, that one of their teams or clubs won a state championship for the first time in their history. Now, me personally, I don't think any of it matters. You know my take on sports and clubs and teams. I think it's all shit. 
I don't think any of it matters. I think it's a colossal waste of time. Mock trial, please. Uh, you know, give me a break. It's as important as winning the state championship in thumb wrestling. I mean, I could care less. But there, I understand that there are people who care. And I just thought it was hilarious that a mom showed up, bitch slapped all of them across the face on them not knowing what was going on in their own district and make them, and I mean, just made them all look like complete fools. It was classic. It was absolutely classic. Okay. Now, here's the first piece of audio. This is a former student of the district who is now 20 years old. She shows up. She names the name of this sexual predator who I've brought up previously in past episodes. And just to give everybody sort of a quick summary of him. Middle school business teacher, apparently, um, and has been swiping girls' chests for at least 10 years, allegedly. And um, multiple reports have been made on this individual, and he has never been fired. Now he is on administrative leave and has been on administrative leave for over 100 days. He's basically being paid his sick days. And unfortunately, one of the things that's happened and this was probably the fault of the parent. And again, a lot of this is one of those mistakes that gets made because they don't know all of the moves they can make. You know, instead of the parent potentially going to the sheriff's department, which is the first place that a parent should go when a, when a child is assaulted, yes, they should tell the district so that the teacher is removed and that no one is ever assaulted ever again. That should happen first. You should, you should blow the whistle on that instantly. Your very next move the very same day should be to drive straight to the sheriff's department or at the very least call the sheriff's department and have a deputy come out to your house so that you can file a report immediately because this is a person who needs to be arrested. And again, was this person ever arrested? I don't know. Probably not. They were probably just invited in and maybe questioned, and they probably lawyered up and whatever else. But the district lawyers up too, and this is what's happened. The, dis the district is paying a quote-unquote Title IX lawyer to investigate and make decisions, and they're called the decision maker and whatever else. Bullshit. This is a person who belongs in jail. It's very basic, ladies and gentlemen. It's not complicated. You fill out a police report for the immediate arrest of a person who has been assaulting children. And then that person should be in a white, in an orange jumpsuit and in shackles as they walk in front of a judge to be arraigned. That's what should happen. But, it, but as, as you'll hear the parents say here shortly, it's all about image protection. And that's what's been going on here. So this happened, by the way, months ago over 100 days ago. So that that's going on. Um, thank God for this former student for actually calling the guy's name out and calling him a pedophile. Because again, as I said at the top of this episode, this is what needs to happen. People need to start doing this more often. Call them out by name. Allege that they're a pedophile. Call them a pedophile. Shit, I don't care. Call them whatever you want. But, but scream it from the mountaintops, and when a microphone is, fr is, is in front of your face, do not miss that opportunity to do so. Always do it. So here's the audio of the former student right now. Gracie Melders, I'm 20 years old. I spoke at the board meeting in January as a 2020 graduate. I was in Paul Stiver's class in seventh grade. 
I've been in therapy off and on since middle school. I developed an eating disorder in November of 2020. Through therapy and treatment, it was discovered I developed this disorder because of my previous sexual assaults. In seventh grade, I was sexually assaulted by Paul Stiver when he pressed his hands against my chest. I quit track before my sophomore season began because of how severe my anxiety was getting. These are all facts. This incident happened to me in seventh grade and was never dealt with. I was taken from his class and placed in the office. I came forward again to support the other victims, yet this case has been stretched on and on and still we have not been given the results of the district's decision. See, I understand the guidelines in place to ensure Paul Stiver and other predators get a fair case. I understand the steps we must go through for Title IX. However, these steps should have been dealt with long ago in 2014. No other child should have been touched. This case should not be ongoing. Taking a child out of his class or out of school does not solve the problem. The problem is a middle-aged man touching children. Revoking our education does not solve that issue. School is supposed to be a safe place to provide learning to the very people who will be in charge of our future, but Talawanda's negligence is compromising that. This case is not about me. I did not get the closure in 2014. Instead, I was made to feel responsible. The past seven years, I've dealt with the consequences of the district's mistakes. Therapy, treatment, time, and tears will not make the trauma any less painful. I know that with certainty. However, if we can give the most recent victims the justice they deserve, their lives can be different than mine. Fighting the children in the halls of the middle school won't erase a pedophile's hands on their chest. Denying the truth and promoting lies will not be the norm anymore here. The administrators of our schools have become reckless with their power, protecting a pedophile with their authority to protect their own paycheck and pension it needs to end. An assault that happened seven years ago still affects who I am today, so it makes me stop and question the life I'm living. I was forced to grow up too fast, and I'm told I am wise beyond my years, when in reality, it is me being too cautious for a future of the unknown, I fear. The few minutes I'm allotted to speak now is not enough to say everything needed, but I'll say this. Students deserve to feel safe. The survivors deserve to find happiness, to not question their being, to not question their life. I'm still trying to find out who I'm supposed to be, how to move forward from the hurt in my life, to find new meaning in what I do, to find the worth in surviving, but I assure you I will not allow the school to get away with sweeping children's lives under the rug any longer. For the others, this is not too far gone. I feel pity for Stivers and the administrators of this district. How are you allowing the principal who hid Mr. Stiver's actions for nearly a decade to become the director of human resources? How do you sleep at night after leaving a path of destruction where you once stood? How can you deny so many children an education when that's what you claim to provide? Because no matter how badly his hands will make, you feel, make me feel for the rest of my life, I will survive knowing that at least I've been brave enough to tell the truth. Huge round of applause, and rightfully so. She was way more polished in this speech than she was in the last speech. The last speech she gave, again, it was kind of all over the place, and then she kind of ran away, and that was the end of it. This was well done. She was well prepared, written out, the whole thing. The other interesting thing is, is that the school board is no longer showing the individuals who are speaking at the microphone. They're not doing that. And I've watched, I've watched that decision get made. 
Pat Mead, the president, will walk backwards before the um, before the board meetings take place. He'll walk back into the sound booth and he'll tell them, the people running the cameras and whatever, he'll say, don't show them, blah, blah, blah. Make sure that you're only uh, focused on us and just keep the cameras focused on us as board members and, and don't show the people coming up to the microphone anymore. And And that's it. So it's just more, it's more political games. It's more bullshit. He doesn't want the individuals to be seen who are testifying at the uh, inadequacy, putting it mildly, of, of the school board. He, d- he doesn't want them to have a larger audience. And that, again, is part of the problem, to say the least. So he, the, ver- the very next speaker w- is the dad. And I'm going to play his audio right now. And it's, again, it's heartbreaking. Um, whereas the previous speaker, again, named the guy's name, called him a pedophile. You know, the dad isn't doing that. And it's unfortunate because the dad should do that. He should say it at the top of his lungs if he wants. But I'm sure his his lawyers have, have said, uh, you know, don't do that. So I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but whatever. Here, here's what the dad says. Again, it's heartbreaking. Is there anyone else who would like to address the board this evening? I'm going to start off with this number, 106. Sir, could you, could you state Dustin your name Dustin LeMay, Hanover Township. Okay, thank you. I'm going to start off with this number, 106. It has been 106 days since my daughter was inappropriately touched by a teacher at your middle school. It has been 106 days that has allowed him to sit home and collect his regular paycheck. It has been 106 days since our lives changed forever. Last time I stood up here, I spoke from the heart to let you know that the longer this goes on, the more difficult it's going to be on the victims. Never in my wildest dreams would have I guessed that on March 17, 2022, I would still be living in this nightmare. I was initially told by your Title IX coordinator that once a decision maker received the investigation report, they would review it and issue their decision promptly. Well, that hasn't happened. Your attorney communicated with the decision maker, who is also your attorney, you know, since you kind of hired them. And decided that they care what they don't care what is best for Michaela or the other victims. They wanted to do what they felt is best for the district and the disgusting teacher has caused all this. Instead of issuing a decision on each complaint individually as it happens, they decided to hold all complaints and wait to release the decisions at the same time. Tell me again how how you have the best interests of the students in mind and save us the our hands are tied because of Title IX. If this were two years ago, we could have taken care of it a lot more quickly. Excuse. Because two years ago and beyond, there were complaints from other victims that you made the decision not to handle at all. The weight of the stress and lack of answers and communication has beaten Michaela down. There's not much lower she can go. She has hit rock bottom. My once outgoing, carefree little girl isn't herself anymore. There were a couple days last week that were the most difficult of my life. My little girl looked me directly in the eye with no emotion. And let me know she was done. Because of what she went through and a few kids at school teasing her, she expressed the desire to kill herself. Remember when you offered counseling services for the victims? You left out the part that they accepted those services. Their parents would be required to sign a waiver that states those sessions would become part of the student's educational records. No, I blame you. You heard the stories and complaints, but you decided to turn a blind eye and let this predator continue to teach and coach in this district. You're intensely dragging this on in hopes that we get tired and drop it like others in the past have done. Michaela may grow tired and weak, but I will remain strong for her and the others involved. This community deserves better than what you've given them. 
You were voted or appointed onto the board to protect their best interest. Somewhere along the lines, you've forgotten that. I fully intend to keep my promise that I will continue fighting until the teacher and all others who have known about this, about his actions, but refuse to investigate them, receive their proper punishment. There are people out there saying I'm doing this for attention. I want them to know it's not about me. It's about the kids and the victims. The more attention that this topic gets, the more likely it is that these victims get justice. The more attention this topic gets, the more likely it is that the district changes and decides to stop turning a blind eye. And the more attention that this topic gets, the less likely that there will be victims in the future. So it may have been 106 days, but I still believe them. board president at the beginning interrupted the dad so that he could make sure that the dad identified himself. Everybody in the room knows who the dad is. Everybody in the town knows who the dad is. That dad could walk right down Main Street and set the whole place on fire and people would be applauding this dad. The fact is, is that it just shows such disrespect. And again, that's, there are other words I could use, I suppose, but the total disconnect that exists. Because I'm sure, again, even that the board has been told to not comment on it because it's under investigation. And they even say that later on. But, ladies and gentlemen, as I've said in the past, when you have these old fossils that should be put out to pasture and, and just put down because they, they are so disconnected from reality. But yet these are the individuals making decisions and policy decisions for a school district. These are people that cannot tie their own shoes. Again, the father made a mistake by not, I don't know if he did it or not, but he should have gone to the sheriff's department. I've been over that process before. I've written about that process step by step in the books I've written. That's what needed. That's what needed to happen in, in in this particular case. It just needed to. Again, going after the school district for their failure to do what they're supposed to do. That's a separate criminal matter. The first criminal matter is going after the individual, even though they work for the district and they might have a union and whatever, and union lawyers and X Y Z. That doesn't matter. What matters is, is you go after the guilty or the alleged guilty individual first, and I'm sure that they are guilty. Why wouldn't they be at this point? But you go after them individually first. Then you go after the school district second, instead of just you know going after everybody and letting the district sort of do what they do and play the games that they play. Heartbreaking. But he needs to stop sending his child to this school district to have instruction um, from, from the school employees. He needs to homeschool using abeca.com. He needs to use calverteducation.com. And his daughter needs to be told the truth about the way that these school districts operate. I've offered up my services. The dad has not reached out to me, you know, probably because, again, he's re receiving poor legal advice. 
truthful conversations from those of us who know what the hell is going on and who have experience in this area, who are not lawyers. That's exactly who, who his daughter and he need to be talking to. So he hears this. I'm offering up my services again. Your, your daughter's life might depend on it. So think about that one. Uh, I'm going to play this last piece of audio because, again, it's indicative of the stupidity of the parents and the people who, again, operate within, within these towns and cities and, and school districts. Earlier in the board meeting, there, there, there was a giant discussion and a decision that was made apparently from the state, which now has to be implemented by the superintendent with the superintendent's discretion, which I'm sure will be a, just piss poor. But it had to do with the dress code. And they want teachers and students to basically start dressing more appropriately. They don't want students to start wearing cat ears, you know, keep wearing cat ears and walking around with cat tails and dressing like farm animals and doing all the weird shit that they do. Um, the state has basically had enough of it. What, what, what these lunatic parents are now complaining about already is they're afraid that the hairstyles will be viewed um, as being discriminatory, and then they will be singled out, and they won't be equitable decisions that are made on hairstyles and uh, dress code and blah, 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 blah. This, again, is, is a perfect snapshot of where the frame of mind of these parents, these leftist lunatics, exists. They're focusing on the wrong thing. If, if, a, if a person isn't being taught, how to dress appropriately, not wear pajamas and lingerie when you're in school. Please don't put cat ears on and a cat tail. You're an adult. Stop acting like a baby. If, if there aren't adults in the lives of these children that are telling them these kinds of things and straightening them up with discipline, then, again, it becomes a circus. In which, and, and again, when, when you... The old Turkish proverb meme, as as it's called, whether it is a proverb or not, it's hilarious nonetheless. When you let clowns into the palace, the the clowns don't become kings. The palace becomes a circus, and that's what's going on here. So I'm going to play this woman's audio. She's a lunatic. Hello, Amy Shaman. I live in uh, city proper. I have a child at Kramer, um, and congratulations to the mock trial team. Um, I wanted to comment on the um, policies 1616, the various ones, um, the three different numbers that deal with staff and staff dress and grooming. Um, I want to encourage the board to consider the wording carefully or guidelines that interpret the wording for item E. Um, item E suggests that, specifies, excuse me, that people be groomed, quote, groomed in such a way that their hairstyle or dress does not disrupt the educational process, nor cause health or safety hazard. Um, I just want to encourage um, the actual interpretation of that rule to always be conscious of having the broadest cultural understanding of what acceptable hairstyles are. Um, there are very well-known there are, I don't know if they're well-known, but there are incidents throughout our society that have happened to children, to young adults, and to adults in the workplace where people with, uh, people of color who wear natural hairstyles have been discriminated against. And I think while this policy is being refreshed, it's an opportunity to make sure that that does not happen inadvertently or intentionally. Thank you. 
Okay, so I got <laughs> my apologies here. I got the order of uh, of these speakers incorrect. Um, the last the last person who who you just heard who again focusing on the wrong thing. That's why I wanted to play her. She's clearly focusing on the wrong thing. You have pedophiles in your buildings. Hello, McFly. Um, so there's that. So there's that. That's why I wanted to play it. Uh, she spoke right after the mock trial parent who browbeat the entire board, but she spoke before the people who were talking about the abuse that's going on. And there was also another speaker, I might add, who is um, a Miami University student and now and a, and a previous graduate of of the uh, of this the the high school. And she was crying and, and talking about, again, the abuse and uh, a bunch of other things. And it's, hard, it, you know, it's heartbreaking. And then another parent got up and said, look, we just moved here. And he's like, I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on in this district, but uh, I don't feel very safe sending my kids here. I mean, it was incredible. And, and again, that's what these people don't seem to understand who run these institutions, and they are mental institutions at this point, and, and playgrounds for pedophiles, along with, of course, being prisons. They don't understand that when they sneeze, we are watching them, and we are writing it down and recording it. And when you hurt children, and you allow for that to happen, it's game over. It's game over for you. The next thing that is worse than being called a pedophile and actually being one is being a pedo sympathizer or a pedo apologist or a pedo cover upper, whatever you want to call it. The guilt by association that exists around cases like this is a mile long. I'm shocked that school, that, that school teachers aren't again leaving this school district in droves. They should be, but many of them, again, are so brainwashed that they, and, they, and they don't have the courage or the testicular fortitude to sell their belongings, look at their significant other and their children, and say, we're leaving here. We're leaving this place. This place is a cesspool of degeneracy. We're leaving. More people should do that. And I might add, ladies and gentlemen, people do it every year in American schools all over the country, and it's happening right now in droves. It's happening everywhere, and that is a good thing. That's a good thing. Self-govern, homeschool, take the control back, and for Christ's sake, stop paying school taxes. Because that right there is what you're paying for. You're paying for illegality. With all of that said, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week, and I'll catch you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care, and God bless.